0: Success is the right person doing the right thing for the right reason, with the right people for the right amount of time. Too many gurus out there are teaching that success is doing what I want, when I want, with whom I want, whenever I want. And that's a pretty selfish motive and dream to have if that's your definition of success.
1: What's going on guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategies for Busy Professionals podcast. And today our guest is Tom Wilson. Tom is a very successful real estate investor. Who reached financial independence quite a few years ago and then continued working and today we talk about why we talk about the importance of purpose in your real estate investments you know i'll be honest with you tom and i talked we talked with all my guests before we start recording and we had a different plan for this conversation but this is so important to tom that eventually we just got it there tom is you know he has a big portfolio which he tells us about and he runs a mastermind, which he tells us about as well, a few podcasts related to the real estate investing topics that he discusses. But this is very important and it comes up all the time when I talk with successful real estate investors, both on the podcast and in person, is the importance of having a purpose. And today with Tom, we talk about some of the strategies to figure out what your purpose is, to maintain that purpose, to what happens if you don't have one if you get the success that you want and you don't have a purpose what could go wrong tom knows some people that that's happened to and uh, we discussed that today so this is very important if you're if you're out there you you want financial freedom that's what you're looking for maybe you need to think a little bit differently and tom's going to tell us about that today maybe why why we should think about that a little bit differently maybe aim a little higher so I found this a very interesting conversation and it got me thinking after we recorded, as all podcasts do, to be honest with you, but this one in particular really uh, has me thinking and I'm sure it will do the same for you. For those of you who do not know, I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor, real estate syndicator. Meaning I buy real estate with passive investors, busy professionals, friends of mine, and we split the return. I'm a busy professional just like you and I am here to generate wealth passively with my friends and colleagues. Love talking about this stuff and this is a very important topic today. Thank you for tuning in once again. Here we go with Tom Olson. Tom, thanks for joining us today.
0: Can't wait to be on, thanks for having me.
1: You know, I'm excited, you've got so much experience. You've got a lot, a lot of things going on. Real quick, can you tell us about your businesses and what you do?
0: Sure. So we have many different businesses and I kind of run my companies more as a visionary, not as an actual operator in my businesses. In fact, every new business I create, I kind of create it in a way that I don't have to be in it in order to start anything new from here on out. But basically I um, have a a turnkey operation. We buy and sell homes and we build rental portfolios for investors. And I have a property management company that manages for investors, a construction company that Rehab is for investors, and then we also have my own personal portfolio. And then we also have a lending company that we loan to people doing single-family homes or you know loans like that, uh, mostly short-term. And then we also have vacation rentals. Me and my wife manage 16 vacation rentals, 14 for ourselves and two for other people. And then we also have a, a mastermind called the Good Success Mastermind. You have a Good Success Pod. Cast and a bunch of education events around surrounding that, and um, you know a mastermind group, a local mastermind group actually, and a national mastermind group. So I'm pretty busy. It, you know, says in your bio that you're a you know a busy man. I am too. My wife would say so as well. But uh, I love what we do, and I love to be able to help people as well.
1: Well, I appreciate that you have a lot going on. You're getting a lot done, and and I love it doing so much. I wanted to talk with you today since you have this you know broad and specific experience in real estate about the question that it usually comes up as folks are getting started in real estate. And they think, you know, maybe I'll start with wholesaling. You know, can I do that in my spare time? Well, I mean, can you? Is that passive enough for busy professionals to do successfully in their spare time? I mean, you do that. We're going to cover all these other asset classes that you do. But just to kick it off, is that a passive wealth strategy? Absolutely not.
0: <laughs> when I think of all the different things you can possibly do in real estate, I would say that wholesaling is probably as active as being a contractor or being a construction worker. It is a hamster on a wheel. If you're not finding the next deal, you're dead. If you're not following up on all the leads and you're wasting money. And um, I mean, and we, I mean, we've wholesaled over 1500 deals in, in, in our career. And honestly, like, I don't even wholesale at all anymore. So I know it's a play. It's almost kind of like the gateway almost it's becoming the gateway to real estate. Um, and most of the time it's because uh, there, there's a book, it's called the ideal team player it called, it talks about hungry, humble as smart people in there. And, and then normally the people that succeed as wholesalers are really hungry at the beginning. And then they realize that they, they go out and they hunt and they eat but then like they gotta go hunt and get in order to eat. And then I I think once people get a little smarter and kind of start networking with other people, they really realize that the passive route is probably a better way to make money in real estate than, than really being active. And don't get me wrong, like I have active businesses, I still have to sell houses. To a certain degree, I mean, we're financially free personally, but in order to keep my business running and in order to run my business like a business, obviously the business has to sell houses in order to keep all the employees fed and everything you know that, that goes along with that. So, and, and honestly, my purpose as well, which I've got two big dreams in my life. One is to flip the city of Gary, Indiana, and one is to give away a billion dollars. So in order to make those dreams happen, it's not about me. It's not about me at all. It's really about like why I believe I was placed on this earth. So, thinking with that kind of a purpose and that kind of a vision, it changes the way you you know your perspective on life and what you do and why you do it.
1: Absolutely, I, I appreciate that. And you know, it, being in this the real estate world for well not as long as you, but you do see people come and they say, know, yeah, I think I want to wholesale because it is a, a foot in the door." For those people that are kind of thinking that way. What's your recommendation? I mean, should they keep going down that route or should they consider something else? Like, what do you think is a, a good alternative?
0: I'm probably the biggest anti-guru out there. So it's kind of funny. <laughs> you know, I have a I have my mastermind. I, ha- I do coaching. I've written, you know, three books. But like all these people out there tell you to quit your job and go do something. I mean, that's like, that's like, the creme de la creme. That's like when you've hit the big time is when you've quit your job. And I'm like, I just don't agree with that. I I actually think the first step into getting into whatever you want to get I think there's there's two paths. Either you earn it yourself in real estate or you earn it elsewhere and then you use real estate passively and you find trusted connected, you know, connections and network. And I actually think the easier path for most people is actually to make the money elsewhere and then use that money to invest in real estate and only make money off of their money. And don't get me wrong. You can make money as an operator. You can make money as a wholesaler. You can make money as a property manager, as a contractor, all those things you can make money, but it's not any easier than being a lawyer or being a doctor or being a dentist or being, or doing any of these other things. You know, it's, it's hard work. So the question to your answer, is it depends, and I'm mean, obviously in order to answer that question, I'd really have to know a lot more about the person's makeup, their skill set. I mean, if they have nothing else going on and they're really hungry and they really want to do something, absolutely wholesaling, I think, is a great way in the door. But if you're, I think the smarter people would go work for somebody else, and I think that that's one thing that you know, from being in this business for 15 years now and being around real estate and owning rentals for over 20 years, I've learned that. Sometimes the rich kids have an advantage and now this is, this is the real advantage. It's not just the fact that they have the money to go to the good schools and do all that. That's not it, but they've learned from their parents who would then go tell them to go intern somewhere for free for, for a year or two years. And the, the education that you get from making somebody else money and the fact that you learn how to be a good steward of somebody else's business or somebody else's process or customer's, that's the real value. And, you know, most people want to just go quit their job and they, oh, rah, 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 I'm an entrepreneur at age 20. And I think at the, for the most part that, and I'm not saying it never works. I'm not saying it doesn't. But I will tell you the majority of that doesn't work. You have to learn how to do it for somebody else first. Um, and if you if you really want the quicker answer, I'd say you, you, that, that that's what you do. If you want to learn by hard knocks, knock yourself out. I'll, I'll, many of us have done it, and I've made lots of mistakes. And but I'll tell you where I learned the most is when I was working for somebody else, and I was learning how to run a business, how to how to structure a business, and how to really get people to you know to influence people.
1: Interesting. Okay, so I mean, we do hear this sometimes, especially on the on the forums, like Bigger Pockets. You know, they'll say go work for somebody or somebody will post on the forum saying, hey, I'm looking for a syndicator to work for, or somebody in real estate that I can go work for. Hey, I'll work for free, something like that. But I mean, I've gotten those offers in my business. And for me, it doesn't really solve the problem because then, okay, now I got to find this guy something to do. So I don't know if they're taking that work for somebody else to the next level. If you're trying to work for somebody in real estate, are there any strategies you can use to find a concrete way to add value that you can go to that person and say, Hey, I'll do this for you.
0: I think that that's a lot. A lot of that is just networking and just knowing what that person needs. I I thought a lot of people, they want to talk to talk and they don't really want to talk to listen. And if you'll, if you'll keep your ears open, you'll find what people need and then you'll be able to connect it with your experience or your likes or your ways that, that you can add value. I believe everybody, I don't care. I, I mean, I have my, 14 year old daughter right now doing show notes for my other two podcasts, you know, so like, why could she do that? Because she loves to read and she loves to write and she, you know, that's, that's her skill. My other daughter's working for me in construction. She's demoing a house and she's, you know, doing stuff like that. Why Because she's good with her hands? She got out of her seatbelt before she was one. I could never keep her in her her seatbelt, (laughs) you know, you know, so like different people have different skills and they've been given different you know, core geniuses, they've been given different experiences. And I promise you, if you really want to be in real estate, you'll find a way to be able to add value. And there's so many things you can do. You can, you can find houses, you can rehab houses, you can, but you'll learn, trust me, you'll learn by osmosis by just hanging around. And some people you could, you don't have to work for free. I'm not saying you have to work for free, but if you're in and I, one thing I do want to add is if your intention is to leave, you, you ought to be really upfront and frank about that because as an owner, you know, I probably wouldn't put somebody in a leadership role if I knew that they were planning on leaving. I don't want to invest, you know, certain, you know, things into them if I know they're going to leave, but I I want them to learn. And if, and if they're, if they're working for free, I'm totally willing to teach them because anything they could do for me, whether it's just making me coffee or running around the office or doing anything, you know, running to the, to the uh, county, you know, to pick up permits or whatever, it's value. So, Again, like, I think there's many ways to get there, but if you're really specifically talking about wholesaling and how to get in, you know, with no money, that's the way, I guess, I I, I still think, I, you know, I tell you that there's many different ways to make money. Just figure out how you can make the most yourself, but also before you do that, figure out what, who who, you, who is your customer and who you want to serve and who, why do you think that you're placed on this earth?
1: Interesting, okay. So you run a, a mastermind and... In doing so, I'm sure you've got incredible networking skills that you've, you might be born with, you might have built over time. I don't know, but I, you know, I think this is, this all kind of interplays. And you mentioned that networking, it, it all comes down to your network and things like that. And I also wanted to pick your brain for your networking strategies, how to make the most out of your time when you're in a room with very experienced people and, you know, details like that, because it's, it's hard to do.
0: That's interesting. You say that because I'm probably the, I'm probably the worst networker in the world. (laughs) Um, But, but I, I do think that God's given me a skill and, and the skill that I do believe I have is listening and paying attention and everybody's different. You know, like I, I hire people that are those extroverts that really go into the crowd and just light up the room. I'm not that person. I'll, if you get me on stage and you give me, you know, the spotlight, I will take it, but I'm not the one that's going to force myself up on the stage. I would rather hire those people, uh, those salesman type people that really can, can network in that way. But, but what I've learned is that the best networker, but people that can add value the people that listen and the people that pay attention, because if I'm listening to you, Tyler and you're like telling me about a need that you have in your business and I'm like huh I've got a guy I know how, how to help you I'm never going to be able to really help you until I listen to what your need is. I mean, the most valuable information we can have is somebody else's needs. You know, why do you think so many people do surveys? Google built their entire platform on all the mistakes they made and asking all their customers, how, how in the world can I serve you better? They didn't take all those complaints and go back to their room and boohoo, cry and whine and say, why can't these customers get what we're trying to give them? No, they kept changing their platform to be able to service what their customers were complaining about. And that's how you add value. So get in a room, just shut up and listen to what everybody else is saying. You'll hear, you know, th- those things will, will pick up, cl- you'll pick up clues very quickly if you're actually trying to help other people. The problem is, is most people go into rooms just trying to figure out what they can get for themselves. And at the end of the day, like you're going to live a very unfulfilled life. You're going to be very ungrateful and you're, you're, you're not going to be a happy person. And then at the end, then no, nobody's going to want to hang around you anyway. So if you really want to have friends show yourself friendly, listen to what other people have to say, care about what their needs are, and just try to help them.
1: It's a tough skill. I mean, you know, you're saying that you you feel you were born with it, but have you built it over time? It's, you know, I'm, I'm always trying to work on my active listening myself, but it's, even if you come with the best intentions, it's hard not to get caught in your head and just thinking about the thing that I'm going to tell this guy about, then you're not listening to, they're really saying they need you might miss the mark so i don't know you probably observe a lot of people as well at your mastermind you know making these mistakes so what does it come down to we're just too self-centered
0: honestly that's what it's all about (laughs) 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 i I mean really a, a lot of what good success stands for is having the right kind of success And my definition of good success is the right person doing the right thing for the right reason with the right people for the right amount of time. And the problem is too many gurus out there are teaching that success is doing what I want, when I want, with whom I want, whenever I want. And that's a pretty selfish motive and it's a pretty selfish dream to have if that's your definition of success.
1: Interesting. I I just wonder how do we kind of thread that needle and say – you know, hey, I have these financial goals. I need to meet these financial goals and turn that into how can I help other people meet their financial goals? I mean, that's a, it makes sense in theory. You know, I I understand that I need to help other people reach their goals in order to reach my goals. But I guess in practice, it seems, um, I don't know. I I think we're all, it's too easy to be self-centered.
0: It is really easy. It's something we have to fight every single day that that's what we're natural at. Every one of us are natural, whiny, crying, crying babies. And we just we, we really just want to whine and complain and we want everything our way. We want to control everybody else. And again, I, I know that a lot of people use marketing ploys and they use uh, their marketing persuasive copy to tantalize our, our, our selfish desires. But at the end of the day, we live unfulfilled and then we don't really fulfill our purpose on this earth, which is never really to serve ourselves. You know, we're only here for so long. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian, so that probably, you know, comes through a little bit in our in my speech. And I do believe that, you know, God's purpose for my life is much more important than my own purpose. And, it, and that is always other people. But let's go back to who are the richest people in the world. So the richest people in the world right now are what, Jeff Bezos, maybe? Yeah, maybe the so. first trillionaire? Okay, so has he done it by serving himself? Absolutely not. He's done this by serving other people and adding value and changing the way people think. And then, you know, so at the end of the day, like it was Zig Ziglar that said that if you help enough other people get what they want, eventually you'll get what you want.
1: Yeah, it's tough to do. And and you've written a number of books and one that strikes out to me that I wanted to make sure we touch on here is the 30 day good success journey. I'm kind of uh, obsessed with these books that give us either a process or, or a rubric to think about, you know, reaching these goals that we we want to reach. And, you know, tell us about that book and the the strategy, the questions in it, and what readers can learn to help them along their journey.
0: Sure. Absolutely. I've got a book right here. So the people that are watching this on video can see this or so here. It's about 160 pages. And it really, like, I, I named it a thirty-day of good success journey because it is thirty different questions, but most people that have read this can't get through this in thirty days. So it is—it's a little—it's—it's it's a hard—it's a hard self-reflecting book is, is really what it is, and it's workbook style, so you can write it in on purpose. What I have seen is a lot of people spend tens of thousands of dollars every year on their business on bringing consultants in for their business, right? So, I mean, I'm not sure if you've heard of EOS, you've heard of scaling up, you've heard of the, the gazelles, you've heard of all these other you know, programs out there that are helping businesses and I do it too. So I, I implement EOS for, for people and I, and I do that as a, as a consultant and I think it's important. Don't get me wrong. I run, I run different versions of that in, in, in all my businesses to a certain degree. I think there is like, you know, five or seven different parts of a business or, or, or phases and some of my businesses are kind of in that startup. Some of my businesses are kind of in that structuring and making sure things are good. Some of them in their scaling up phase. And EOS doesn't you know, doesn't teach about that. It's really only good for that phase too, I think. But what we don't do for some reason is we never do this for ourselves. We never like really figure out as a person, why was I created? What are my real big goals as people? We focus on our business and we spend all this money on business and we don't really ever focus on you know, the bigger picture, which I think is family and yourself and that legacy that you want to try to leave on or, you know, at the end of, at the end of your life, what do you want to have on your tombstone? What do you want to be remembered for? So that's kind of where this book starts is why, you know, what, what's your purpose? Why do you live? Why do you think that, you know, God placed you on this earth? And then it goes into setting your own personal core values. We talk about core values in businesses all the time. And I think they're important. But, you know, for us, we call them our family rules at our household. And number one is be kind. I mean, if you're kind, guess what? You're probably going to obey your parents and obey authority. If you're kind, you're probably not going to lie, which is, you know, telling the truth. If if, if you're, you know, saying so, like, have these things in your family that you want to be known for. But then it kind of gets into, like, you know, business and it kind of gets into what are your goals and what are you good at? You know, a lot of us never really reach our goals because we don't really ever focus on what we're good at. We don't even know what we're good at. We don't, we don't even think about it. And then we don't think about what we should be stopped doing. You know, I think sometimes the best deals that you'll do are the deals you never do. Sometimes you know what you say no to is way more important than what you say yes to, and sometimes you have to say no to the thousand things bad, you know, the thousands not so good things, so you can say yes to that one thing that's really more important. And that's really what, what what you know some of the questions that that this book gets into, and it gives you time to be reflective. I also have a whole audio course, video course behind it as well, if if people are interested in that as well. And it's got eight and a half hours of video content, like really just drilling into the book and why it's important.
1: So you mentioned uh, something that I think is very important there. I mean, you, you were focusing more on the business owner aspect of it, but even in real estate investing, we see people come in and spend huge sums on some of these educational programs and then never do anything at least in in real estate investing. And it sounds like this this book is maybe written more toward the business owner that is getting all of that consulting but is kind of missing the mark on what is it? What could help their business?
0: Yes and no. I mean, I, I kind of wrote it for ed, your, ev- your average Joe, like just your normal person out there. It could, anybody in the world could, I, I believe, you know, can be helped by a book like this. It doesn't have to be mine, but I mean, I think the, the questions in here are very valid. And I think they're questions that everybody should be asking us. You should be asking yourself at least once a year. If you don't ask yourself these questions once a year, I think that you're, you're missing the boat.
1: Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I mean, we don't, um, it's not a common practice, right, to sit yep. sit down and think about your goals and, you know, drive, purpose, all of those things. So. And,
0: and, and honestly, like, what are you good at? And sometimes what we're good at changes over, over time. Um, I mean, there's a whole chapter in here on, you know, what are your roles and responsibilities? You know, I think sometimes we take on too many things, you know, <laughs> and if if we've got, you know, 16 different responsibilities or 16 different roles, how in the world do we really have the time to be able to, to, to fulfill all those? Well, I mean, there there's a chapter about debt. I mean, a lot of a lot of what holds people back is debt. Um, there's a chapter about financial freedom where I believe everybody should have a financial freedom date and a financial freedom goal. And that should be just, but I, I think the problem is, is most people make that their ultimate goal. And I'm like, I reached that in four years when I really concentrated on it. It's not that big of a deal. You just got to do it. I mean, it's, financial freedom is the easy thing in life. The hard thing in life is actually matter, at the, you know, and, and to actually do something that matters in life.
1: Interesting. That would be, depending on where you say that statement, that financial freedom is easy, that could be a very controversial thing. You know, people, people get defensive. They're going to say, you know, I've got all these struggles, all those, you know, all these excuses, basically, is what it comes down to. Why do you say it's easy or, you know, what makes you say that? Cause it seems very hard.
0: I guess it was easy for me. I just think that what you focus on expands. And if you really focus on it and you create yourself a plan and this, this book has a plan for it. I, one of my other books also has a plan. It's called active turnkey, the best way to buy rentals. And that's a very short, short read, but really like if you'll create your, for yourself a financial blueprint or financial, you know, freedom plan, I believe anybody can can be financially free in five to seven years. I really believe that. But most people aren't willing to do what it takes.
1: Hmm. Interesting. I mean, I, I guess I've, we talked to a lot of financially free people on the show before and, and I've heard that and so many of them, even that create that, just they don't quit working. They get to that point and they're just like, eh, I'm going to keep working 60 hour weeks even though I don't have to. And I think from from the other side of it, it can be hard to see why, you know, if, if your goal for financial freedom is, hey, I want to hit this number and then go sit on a beach the rest of my life. And then somebody who achieves that doesn't go sit on a beach or they try it for a month and they're like, man, this stinks. Do you think, I, I don't know, It kind of sounds like there is actually something there that like the people who actually are dedicated to achieve it their goal actually is not to go sit on a beach. Their goal is unrelated to that. There might be some connection there, I don't know.
0: That's actually where, again, let's go back to good success and why I'm in business for good success and what I'm really trying to help people think about is the bigger picture. And it's kinda like if I shoot an arrow and try to hit the moon, right? Like if my goal is the moon, I'm probably gonna get closer to the moon than somebody that's trying to like hit the house across the street, right? And so if your goal is much bigger than yourself, we have to realize how small we are and how insignificant we are. And you know, when, when we figure that out, we're like, okay, I've got to have a goal that's much bigger than me. It's going to take more than me in order to be able to make it happen. And I can promise you some of the most unfulfilled people. One of the guys in my mastermind, his name is Eddie Wilson. He he, he owns American association of private lenders. So he owns think Realty, and, he was like he he helped sell uh, Sean Hannity show, and he was like twenty eight years old. And honestly, like by the time he was twenty eight years old, he was retired, living on a beach,
1: like <laughs>
0: had the life that everybody thinks they wanted to. And he comes and tells us that those two years of his life was the most miserable. He thought about suicide during those times of his entire life, and he thought to himself, "What in the world am I doing?" And, and now, I mean, the guy runs several businesses and doing like you know, there's some things in the works like that I can't even mention right now that that are are huge and with big names, people that you know, but he would never have reached those things, never been able to do that if he just like had financial freedom and just lived the rest of his life for himself. And again, like if that's you, that's fine. I mean, if your ultimate goal is financial freedom, I think that what we have, you know, can help you with with our turnkeys and our lending programs and different things that we do. And I'm more than willing to, help people like that. But I, I really want to work with the people that really excite me are the people that have bigger goals that want to work to have to give, they want to be a conduit of what God's given them to, you know, the rest of the world instead of just, you know, having it for themselves.
1: Interesting. Wow. That sounds like a fascinating, a fascinating guy. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you spend enough time (laughs) in this space. It, It sounds, it just sounds so appealing to, to have that, that life, but He's not the only account that I've heard of someone who reached that type of a position and a goal and and felt lost or depressed or, you know, some, some kind of negative feeling like that and didn't see the other side of it until they had, you know, set themselves another goal unrelated to that financial freedom number.
0: Yeah. And what I think that people, I would prefer that we set those goals first. So it's kind of like we just breeze right past financial freedom and we just keep our, right on going. And the momentum, you know, I think sometimes is more important. Mo- momentum is one of the, I think the keys in business that most people don't focus on. Um, but 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 that momentum in your own personal life and your own personal Even finances, you know, like you could be on two different sides of of finance, right? You could be on the debt side, which is a snowball bad, or you can be on the other side and which is a snowball good. And, you know, sometimes we reach financial freedom. We stop the snowball. Well, like who knows what we could have had in in two to five years if we didn't stop that. It's like a freight train. If it's going 60 miles an hour, it'll just hit, you know, a a brick wall and go right through it. But, you know, a a little piece of metal will, will keep it from moving if it stopped.
1: Wow. So you mentioned uh, your goals at the top of the show, flipping Gary, Indiana and donating a billion dollars. Tell us about those because they're, they're very ambitious goals and they're also in a way and take this in the right way. Simple. It's two sentences, big goals, two sentences. Tell us about them.
0: Well, part of that comes from just a lot of training and a lot of people, you know, saying you need to simplify your goals and make them very relevant so people understand them. The flipping Gary part came in the last crash, so 2006, which is when I felt the crash. A lot of construction and a lot of stuff that I was working in, you know, new builds just like just died in 2006. And it's probably a story I don't have enough time to go into, but basically during that whole time, um, I ended up moving my family from a great area in this area to Gary, Indiana, uh, paid cash for a house, put borders in my basement. And during that time, I kind of just kept seeing this lack of hope in this city that kind of has gotten hit, like got hit, they got hit twice really bad within a 10 year period of time, which doesn't normally happen in real estate. And they got hit with a tax issue in 2003. And then 2008 had kind of happened. And even now, it's just not just now we're finally starting to see, you know, some light of day. But during that time, where I, I you know, I feel like I was placed there for, for a reason. I kind of had this, I again, I don't want to call it a dream. I don't know what you want to call it goal, basically, that was created in me to bring hope back to the city and to make Gary into a place that people would move to instead of away from and where businesses would thrive. And that's kind of, Gary has been a, a really bad place for the last 20 years or so. And um, we're, seeing, we're seeing many things happen. I pray for the city every single day. We have a new mayor now and most of our projects are in Gary, Indiana. We've probably done about 200 projects in Gary in the last two and a half years. And we are literally flipping Gary one house at a time right now, but I'm also trying to change the messaging and trying to bring an event here every year called the community go giver event, which we talk about using real estate to have a positive impact on your community. And, we 're living that out, and i don 't think it 's going to be a five year goal or a ten year goal. This is like a twenty forty year picture type of thing, but we 're already seeing positive things coming out from what we 're doing now, and it 's actually really exciting it, it, it excites me every single day when I see a new building popping up and I see Amazon talking about buying the airport or I see UPS now leasing, you know, parts of the airport and Amazon has built a distribution center in Gary, which nobody thought that would have happened even three years ago. And, you know, some other, you know, big, bright spots that are happening. And it is exciting to, you know, to kind of be a part of it.
1: That's great. I mean, it's, it's very, uh, you know, I didn't know that story of Gary having all those, uh, those tough times. Now also, um, in, donating a billion dollars, what does that goal come out of? I mean, it's a, it's a big number.
0: Again, that's another story, uh, but, uh, kind of actually comes from a man in our church in the 1970s that told our pastor that it was either him or the bus kids. Cause our church has a pretty large bus ministry to the Chicago land area. And this guy in the seventies was, was his tithe was $2.6 million a year. And so that's a pretty big. I mean, his tide was like like seventy five percent of the church's, uh, you know, giving, and and our pastor had to struggle, you know. So so obviously there's a lot of lessons that you can learn out of that, and I don't probably have time to go into every one of my. Actually, had a long blog I've written about this: two pastors and two uh, people in churches, you know, businessmen in churches, how to act properly when it comes to all these things. But part of it is that. You know, for me, I think the flipping Gary, Indiana is a harder one than than the giving away money I've been giving since I was 12 years old to church and to missionaries and to uh, nonprofits and to different things. It's kind of, it's actually one of those things where I'm an odd person when it comes to that. It's easy for me to do it. My wife's the exact opposite. She does, you know, so it's really hard for her to naturally be a giver. To me, like that excites me way more than getting a new car or, you know, buying a new house for myself personally, it is kind of what, what does drive me. I do love to be a giver. You know, it does definitely give me joy um, in in that regard. So, you know, to me, it's, it's just something that, you know, kind of came to me about 10, 15 years ago. And I was in a mastermind one time and both of these dreams were kind of coming together in my head. And, you know, some guy got up and said, if you never tell anybody what you want to do, you never put it out there, you'll never make it happen. So ever since then, I'm like, all right, that's it. I'm going to tell everybody this is what's happening. And We're just getting closer every day. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm nowhere near close to hitting either one of those goals, but I'm definitely on the path.
1: Nice. I like it right now. We're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. All right, Tom, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I am ready. All right, great. First one. What is the best investment you ever made other than in your education?
0: All right. So I, I know a lot of people say education. I think a lot of times it's self-serving. So I probably wouldn't say that anyways. And I, and I know a lot of gurus out there would want you to buy their, you know, their programs. And I do believe in, you know, in education. And I do believe in that hundred percent, but I probably wouldn't say that, but and I'm going to probably give you an answer. Nobody else has ever given you. Maybe I'm not quite sure, but, but, but we'll see. So, okay. In 2000 and 2006, I was presented an opportunity to buy a package of, of houses and I went over the numbers. And at the time, obviously I was quite a bit younger at the, at the time and, and a whole lot less experienced than I am now. Um, I would got 14 years, you know, since then and about, you know, 1400 deals since then. But at the time I thought, okay, this is good. I brought this to my wife and we talked about it. And, uh, we we agreed on some things and we disagreed on some things, but it, it took us some time to kind of like really make a decision. But at the end, it just didn't feel right. At the end, we just decided to pass on the deal. Now, little did I know that right around the corner was two thousand seven, <laughs> two thousand eight. And to be honest with you, you know, this is something that, that if you hear me talk enough, you'll hear me say this. But sometimes the best deals you will ever do are those deals that you say no to. And the guy who actually took the deal actually went bankrupt. Um, I, again, it was like, I don't know, it was like 30 homes or something like that. Wow. And, 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 <laughs> and, and again, they were in Gary, Indiana, which at the time, again, 2006 until now, like, honestly, like the prices haven't moved. It actually went down in 2008 and they've barely moved off. You know, like right now they're, finally now back to like 2005, 2006 prices, maybe not even, probably not even close to that yet. But again, I, 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 if you ask me the best deal I ever did, that was probably the best deal that I ever did. And it was the deal I didn't do. So I've been asked that question several times. And every time I bring people back, back to that, you know, sometimes the best deals that you ever do are the deals you don't do.
1: Wow. Well, on the other side of that, what is the worst investment you ever made that that one would have been the worst investment you ever made but you didn't do it exactly (laughs) what's the worst investment you ever made well
0: this one's so tough because it's so hard and it like hurts your pride and it hurts you know that's the whole point it's It's it's, yeah this 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 one was painful and and it's probably because it involved people as well it's not just about the money so we so we have we have a deal at our company, where like if you want to buy a house, I'll buy it for you. We'll fix it up, and as long as the company can make like fifteen grand, as long as there's like an upfront, you know, that the company's going to make some money or make you know make make money, that we'll do the deal for you. You know, like we'll, we we will make it happen. I mean, and most of the time, you know, we're looking to make a whole lot more money than that on a deal when we do a fix and flip or we do um, you know properties. But you know, so that's the deal. And it just so happens that we end up doing a deal for one of our people, and you know, it, there's there's probably too much I wouldn't really want it to be out that uh, of hurtfulness on it. But we end up losing about seventy thousand dollars on the deal, and you know, I think it hurt a relationship over it as well. And I think um, again, I would still do it. I would still do it all over again. It's one of those deals where it's like, if you, if you tell me that, you know, well, you should have learned your lesson, you should have, you know, I did learn lessons. I did learn that, you know, probably did not give people as much rope and to really, you know, they always say trust, but verify. And, and, you know, it sounds great in theory, but sometimes when you're, you know, being the person that has to be the, the verification sometimes that, 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 that's not probably my, probably not my strong suit. I told you my strong suit was listening. It's not, it's not being the uh, person to hold people accountable. So that was, and so I, you know, I I definitely learned and we put a lot more accountability measures in our company because of it, but you know, losing $70,000 is a big deal. And, you know, uh, you know, when you break even on a deal, you're like, Oh, that's, I didn't really want to do that and spend all this time doing a deal and you only break even, but to to, to lose money, which we do. I mean, we again, like we we do hundred hundred plus deals a year. We probably have a deal or two every year that we lose a little bit of money on. It's not the end of the world, and it didn't break us. It didn't, you know, hurt us financially. We're fine. It, and you know, the company didn't make as much money last, you know, that two years ago when that happened, but. I learned a lot of lessons from it. The money stings, yes, but the uh, p- the personal relationships that that was was hurt from it is probably the, the worst part of it.
1: Bummer. The money definitely sounds like it would sting, though. <laughs> I don't know. And you never, you also never want to. Um, somebody takes advantage of you in business. You also, if that happened, I don't know. But if that happens, you just want to think but just can mess up your, your faith in people too. So
0: yeah, I'd rather take ownership myself and say, it's my fault. And I can hold people accountable. But yeah, I mean, I, I I wouldn't say that they took advantage of me, but I mean, it, it definitely was, there was, there was definitely a bunch of mistakes all around for sure. But at the end of the day, like we got through it. And uh, again, I think the hardest part about it is the personal relationship.
1: Wow. Well, we're going to heal those wounds. Move on to the last question, my favorite question. What is the most important lesson that you've learned in business and investing?
0: I think that your business needs to be done on purpose for a purpose. Again, we've we, that's kind of been laced this whole podcast on on accident, not on purposely orchestrated. But I think the number one most important thing for people, even you know, we've just kind of got out of this whole coronavirus thing, and I think the people that really focused on their purpose and re re, you know, they they re wrote that purpose down. And why am I in business? Why am I doing this? And if it was really big enough, it was, it was really bigger than themselves. Those are the people that, that, that made it through just fine. And those people that are going to continue to make it through, you know, capitalism is still alive in America. We have seen, if nothing else, we've seen over the last three or four months, you know, six, eight, nine months, you know, we have seen that people will figure out a way if they want to, and, and if there's really a big enough reason and when that purpose and that reason that you're going to do something is so much bigger than yourself and you're, you have other people that are relying on you. Yes, it might feel uh, heavy at times. And yes, there's a weight that you kind of put on yourself at times for it. But those are the people that really make things happen. And. Um, you know, busy people get things done if, and it's like the people that are always the busiest are the people that are always getting things done. I don't know how to, you know, it it just, it is what it is, but the restaurant owners that stayed open that, you know, that, that try to, you know, service clients versus the ones that just like didn't, you know, open, we're already seeing that, that, you know, the, their, their Patreons are not uh, as, as supportive to come back to them. And, uh, you know, so again, like, I think that, I think everybody ought to have a purpose-driven life and a purpose-driven business and you ought to do things on purpose, proactively for a purpose.
1: Well, I appreciate that. And I appreciate all the lessons that you shared with us today. You know, honestly, you know, we talked about what we were going to talk about before we hit record. And I didn't expect our conversation to take the turn that it did and talk about so much related to the why and the purpose. But I think these are really important lessons and you've, you know, Built quite a bit of your business around that. So I'm glad we got into it because you're one of the experts in the topic. If folks want to get in touch with you, if they want to learn more, where can they reach you?
0: Absolutely. So, like I said, we do have the Active Turnkey podcast, to by Rentals. We also have the Good Success podcast, which has over 200 episodes and thousands of listeners. You can find us on our, our websites, goodsuccess.com. And then we also have um, BUY. Also, B-U-Y olsongroup.com if you're interested in turnkey rental properties or anything else that we can help you with from that perspective.
1: Fantastic. I appreciate it. And I appreciate you joining us this evening. Again, you're a financially free guy. it's My background doesn't show it, but it is evening my time and evening your time. And that is definitely impressive because there are a lot of people who, even though they're working from home now, once five hits, they're done for the day, but not you, not me and not our listeners. And I really appreciate that about you in addition to all the lessons today. And I really appreciate our whole conversation to everybody out there. Thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It's very much appreciated. Helps other people learn about the show. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Thanks again for tuning in. I hope you have a great rest of your day and a great week. And we'll talk to you on the next episode. Bye-bye.